Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Oh, baby, was that one hell of a football game, I think. I I don't know. Was it? Was it football in the year of our Lord 2023? Is that what qualifies as football? I don't know. But somehow the Steelers won 26-22 over the Browns on Monday Night Football. And here we are live to talk with you about it. Of course, if you're listening to this, uh, after the fact, that's exactly why we record it for posterity's sake, so that maybe if you had to crash as soon as the game was over and you went ahead and did so, you're listening to us on Monday morning, maybe. Who knows when, but welcome in to fourth down in the Steel City. I'm Chris Mack. He's Josh Taylor. And Greg Finley going to do his best to make sure we are broadcast to all the proper positions we can be broadcast to live right now on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page and Twitter page as well. Um we're going to be with you it, well, until we until we get at least through the broad strokes, Josh, because it feels like a lot of big things happened between about 8.15 tonight and uh, 15 minutes ago. I mean, the longest football game in a long time because of all the injuries, because of, well, it was just, I, I don't know where to start with it, as you can quite tell, so... I'm going to let you tell me where you want to start with this thing after watching the Steelers' defense once again pull their fat out of the fire and win them a football game. Well, I'm, I'm actually tweeting this out now because Greg just Greg Finley just tweeted out that we're live. So well, by the I'm way, putting the tweet out there for I, people I, who aren't I, on I brought, the live yet. Get in here. Here. I, I brought Get some brown liquor to the proceedings to celebrate. I was going to bring this regardless of how the last two oh. minutes of the game went oh. anyway, because I had a feeling we might need it. So cheers. It's officially Tuesday morning. Ooh. And the Steelers beat the Browns yet again. I, I met the it. Steelers won on Monday night yet again. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, okay. Let's start here. Let's start here. Let's start with the defense because I'm gonna cheat. cheat. Chris got liquor. I brought. I brought snacks. Cheetos. I told y'all I was gonna have snacks. Um, I told y'all I got. I got Cheetos. I got. I got Oreos, man. Like we, we got. We got buy. We got snacks. I, I slink snacks for a living, man. So we run a company that slinks snacks. You go have snacks. I, um, I promise you snacks. You got snacks. So let's let's start here. Once once again, this defense. Um, two touchdowns from the defense, and I I don't know. I I, I don't know. Oh, you're breaking up on us just a little bit, Josh. I think, but we're gonna we we, we build up the buffer. The the blue circle is spinning. Um, so I I yeah I remember this this happens to be loud. 
I remember when the extension for TJ Watt was signed. I remember not very long ago at all when the extension for Alex Highsmith was signed. Um, when contracts were handed out on the defensive side of the ball, we all sat, sat around and said, man, that's, that's a lot of money to be paid on the defensive side of the ball. And it is. They pay their defense a lot of money. And the reason they pay their defense a lot of money is because they count on their defense to show up in spots like this one. In a spot where Cam Hayward's out for the foreseeable future, where Minka Fitzpatrick uh, has to go to the hospital uh, for a chest injury. That, according to Mike Tomlin's post-game comments, we're just finding out. Um, it's, 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 it looked like he was spitting up blood on the sidelines. Uh, so who knows what's going on there? Yeah, not good. But um, good. you lose Cam. You, you don't. You go into the game without Cam Hayward, and you lose Minka Fitzpatrick in the middle of the game, and you still get two defensive touchdowns, and you slow down Deshaun Watson. And granted, a Nick Chubbless offense for much of the game, but you slow down a Browns offense enough to somehow steal a victory. That's my takeaway from this thing: is that if they are going to build this year's team around the defense winning them football games. I don't know how many games you can ask them to win for you, but you just got one. You just got one. And tuck that in your shirt pocket and hang on to it. Keep it close to your chest because when you look up at the end of the year, considering how tight the AFC playoff race is going to be, especially in the North, it looks like, that may be one you look back on and go, remember the night we didn't have Cam and we didn't have Minka for half the game or you know a third of the game, but TJ and Alex Highsmith, just absolutely terrorized Deshaun Watson. I don't know how many times you might need your defense to win a game for you this season, but the answer to do it last season was at least nine. I can think of, I yeah. think it was all nine wins they had last year. The defense pretty much helped them win those games. And if you go back the last two or three years, you're talking about 30, maybe 30 plus when you count tonight, because you're talking about last season. Year before that, and the year before that, you're talking about 30, 31 games. If you include tonight, where the defense pretty much helped them win games, and this game was no different. The only difference was really they gave up 22 points instead of 20 or less, but they shut down. Well, actually, they really didn't shut down the run. I guess it's something, something you use, but um, 22 points or less and a, a positive turnover margin. That has been the recipe for this team for the last three years or so, pretty much dating back to 2019 when Nick Fitzpatrick. First became a Pittsburgh Steeler, and then they win this game yeah. without him. But I'm going to take you back to to Friday, Chris, when we did the mm -hmm. the uh, building the game plan, and we had we gave our predictions for this game. What did I tell you this game was going to be like? What are you? What were the words I used? I believe Bubba the word, Sparks ugly. Bubba Sparks. Bubba Sparks. Yeah, Bubba Sparks ugly. Yep, it was. Bubba Sparks ugly was what I told you this game was going to be. I thought it was going to be less than 20 points. I thought both teams were going to score less than 20 and this game would end up that way. They both scored less than 30, but it was still Bubba Sparks, Timbaland on the beat, ugly. It was ugly. It was, and, it, and this is let's, – let's keep track of this too. Like as much as we want to be positive about this, 26-22 win over the Browns on Monday Night Football and all that, this is another game where regardless of the outcome, you could tell about halfway through the third quarter that both teams – we're going to leave this game, and in the Steelers' case, for a second week in a row, we're going to leave this game physically beaten up. And they were. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am happy they won, but I cannot ignore the fact that they got the crap kicked out of them in the trenches for a second week in a row. I can't ignore the fact that 
on top of Cam Hayward being out for an extended period of time, we don't know what may or may not be up with Minka Fitzpatrick now. Um, yeah. there, and, and this, then that speaks nothing of the injuries that happen on the other side of the ball for Cleveland. Denzel Ward leaves this game, Nick Chubb, uh, obviously. And it sounds like Kevin Stefanski is now confirmed out for the season. Yeah. Um, so all this was AFC North football, man. People got punched in the mouth. Unfortunately, some people got hurt bad. Cause I hate to mm. see that for Nick Chubb, but I mean, it, the Steelers are going to come out of this one. And they've got a short week. They got to travel. They got to go out west. I know the Raiders are not a great football team, but the the Steelers are going to be beaten and battered and bruised and have a short week to have to go on the road. So happy they got the W, I guess, in return for all the physical punishment. Yeah. Now the one thing that actually does work in their favor is that they're playing a night game and they're playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the fact they're playing out in Vegas maybe doesn't hurt them as much with the time change, but the fact that they're playing a little bit later on a Sunday might help them a bit, but I agree with you. It makes it really hard to look at this road trip coming up to Vegas. And that's not even knowing what Mika Fitzpatrick's status is going to be. And if he had to be evaluated at the hospital, it can't be good. It's a perfect time to take a pull in your drink when you hear something like that. Yeah. But it, it it's, it, we talked about this last week with San Francisco, and I talked about how this team was going to have to survive to beat San Francisco. Now, they didn't survive San Francisco. They somehow survived this game. They survived Cleveland, That's, and I, yeah. I still don't know how. Well, probably because of the defense, but they really survived this game, and they had to be physical to do it. And They definitely answered the bell on defense up front. Offense, I think you saw some moments where it happened, but it just wasn't there enough to really get a stranglehold in the game. They could have closed it out. And I think part of it was because, not because they weren't physical, but they didn't give themselves the opportunity to be physical. They had a third down and short. All yeah. you had to do, hand the ball off. You, you got Najee Harris Don't behind get you. Cute. You got Jalen Warren behind you. You, you got Darnell Washington. You, you got Connor Hayward. You got guys that can block. If you're going to go down, go down with those guys trying to be physical and get you an opportunity. Don't try to go down being cute. I thought that was the worst time to pull that. And it's just – Matt Canada did not help his case tonight at all. They won this game. They won this game. And and there were were some bad things happening. The the pass protection on Kenny Pickett was not great, especially in the first half. I tweeted about how the left side, which is getting beaten routinely, Dan Moore was getting whooped. Granted, it's Miles Garrett, so you kind of expect it to a degree. But Isaac said Amala was having his issues. Mason Cole was getting beaten second half. Troops of Cora four had penalty issues. The offensive line did not look impressive in the first half. So, yeah, there were some issues there. Kenny Pickett did not look accurate in the first half, so there were issues there. But in the second half, the offensive line wasn't great, but they were at least holding up enough for Kenny Pickett to have some time to make the play. You know, Kenny Pickett was making much better decisions. He was much more accurate in the second half. But the play calling did not follow with what everybody else was doing. Now, there were times in the run game, I don't think the running game could really get much room today because all those yards that Najee Harris and Jalen Warren were getting, seems like they were doing it by themselves more than they were doing it with actual space in front of them. I think they maybe each got one or two blocks to spring them. Outside of that, it was tough sliding, but the play calling did not help in conjunction with that, and I think that's a huge problem, and it could have cost them this game. Well, and and it's frustrating, too, that – I think all of us can see it's, it's not that we're just sort of spitting into the wind and saying Canada sucks, Canada sucks, right. Canada sucks. We're saying it with ideas for how it can be fixed and how it can be improved. We've all got ideas 
that I think all are along the same lines, right? Like you built this team for this season in particular, you've quite obviously built this offense with the revamping of the left side of the line with everything you've done. You bring in a big tight end, everything you've done screams control the game on the offensive side via the run, a physical attack in the run game. And, you know, don't ask your quarterback to do too much because he's still a young guy. And you don't know about all the weapons that are around him, right? You know, Allen Robinson is a question mark coming into the season as your third wide receiver. And Calvin Austin off a big injury. And you know George Pickens is going to give you some spectacular stuff. And Deontay Johnson is going to run quality routes, if not hang on to the ball. But you get yourself in a situation where you can build the offense that way, right? And then the first two games of the season, we get, all right, you're down 17 nothing to San Francisco early. You kind of excuse it and say, I understand why you never found a ground game. But you get into this game where it's constantly within one score. Mm-hmm. And you get in those situations, like the third and one late that you're talking about, where you can put a game away. And instead of simply putting five linemen, two tight ends, and a fullback in front of a running back, turning around, handing it off to that running back. I don't care if it's Warren, if it's Harris, whoever it is, and just bring back Walter Abercrombie. I don't care. And just telling them to drive straight ahead. Instead of doing that, you try some sort of double reverse jet sweep option play where your quarterback nearly gets rolled up in half. Just do what the offense has been built to do. And stop trying to be so damn cute. I, I I was raising my hand because I got another idea. Why don't you try what Cleveland did? They had six offensive linemen out there and two tight ends stacked yes. on the same side. I'm cool with that too, considering the fact you talked about rebuilding that left side of the line. How long did we see uh, Zach Banner come in as tackle eligible? And we cheered for him. Not we, but people at Actor Stadium cheered. From every time he came in the game as a tackle eligible, you got this kid that you drafted in the first one that was pretty much good for mauling anybody in front of him for his entirety of his collegiate career. You brought you drafted him for a reason, right? Makes sense to bring that guy in as a sixth, a sixth offensive lineman, and then you have a tight end who refers to himself as a sixth offensive lineman. So technically, you could have seven yeah. offensive linemen in theory. Do whatever it takes to clear space for either of your running backs. I don't care if it's Warren, I don't care if it's Harris, I don't care if it's Hayward. Have those guys clear some space, get one of those through, get one of those guys through a hole, and end the game. They should have been in the locker room instead of the defense trying to stop Cleveland on that last round. They should already been in the locker room celebrating, you know, dancing to walking your track, take over, take over your trap. They should have been already doing that instead of trying to defend Cleveland on that last drive. Should have been over. Yeah, it's just they're, he's trying to do too much, and I don't understand the the drive, the desire to do that when simplifying this offense, I think, makes it immeasurably better. Simplifying Here's it method. for the quarter. Yeah, exactly. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, man. And keep it don't simple, o- Steelers. Keep don't overcomplicate it for, for your your second year quarterback. Don't overcomplicate it for an offensive line that's built on brute force and physicality. Don't over don't overcomplicate the pass game either. Let George Pickens mm-hmm. run slants all night long. And guess what? If Pickett just puts it on his front shoulder eight times out of ten, he's gonna catch it those eight times out of ten. And more often than not, catch it in stride. And guess what happens when yep. George Pickens catches footballs in stride? 71 yard touchdown plays happen. 
Good things. Yes. So uh, again, I don't understand the needless desire to overcomplicate things. It's, I think it's born out of a lack of confidence that has been transmitted from the top down. The head coach is is clearly not confident in the OC. The OC feels that lack of confidence and is not confident in the weapons he has at his disposal. So then he tries to manage around their weaknesses instead of playing to their strengths, Josh. And I think sometimes he's not confident in the offensive line either. Now, in fairness, they don't always necessarily manifest the faith that he probably should have in them. That's a fair assessment to say, because they haven't really lived up to the billing. But I think that's part of it too. I think part of it is, and this was this was a lot of last season too, because remember, they got their quarterback, their quarterback was concussed and left the game twice last season. Mm-hmm. So they were going to be a little gun shy the rest of the year. So they're like, look, we already got this kid knocked out of the game twice. We can't have this happening again. So they were going to be a lot more cautious. But this time around, and you mentioned it, we, we saw this organization in the offseason make the effort to try to revamp that offensive line and make it better. All right, yes. you brought it out here. You got to ride with it. You got no choice now. You put your chips on them. You need to ride on those guys. I'm ready for Broderick Jones. I'm saying it now. Granted, I was ready for him in training camp in our preseason. I'm ready for it now. You got to trust him. Whether he's a tackle eligible or he's one of the starting five, you got to put your best guys out there that move bodies. I don't care how. You're yes. past the point. Well, I'm past the point for cute now. Just get it done. If every game has to be ugly, fine. Just be an ugly winning team. It wouldn't be the first time this organization won games and it even contended for championships with ugly football and defense. It wouldn't be the first time. Do well, it again. Then- I don't care. It- yeah, I don't care how you do it, it because it, that lack of confidence that I said trickles, you know, seeps its way down through the cracks from the top, it hits the players eventually. The offensive line knows yeah. that the OC doesn't really believe in him totally to do what he thinks is right. The quarterback, it seeps into his game. You can see it. it it's the happy feet. It's the second-guessing himself before he pulls the trigger. It's the running backs in Najee Harris's case a lot. Not quite. No, where do, where's the hole? Okay, I understand yeah. it when there is no hole, but then when there is a crack, hit it and take it and go. That lack of confidence has seeped its way that all the way down into these players. In some cases, guys they took in the first round who are playing with a complete and total lack of confidence. Like Kenny Pickett looks completely different than the guy we saw in the final nine games last year and the three preseason games this year. I'll even take the three preseason games out of the mix, throw them to the side because they're preseason. Okay, that's fine. He still looked immeasurably more confident down the stretch, Christmas Eve against Vegas, in Baltimore. Those final nine weeks, he made throws that a guy only makes if he's got confidence in what he's doing. And right Mm -hmm. now, he looks like he's completely and totally devoid of any confidence. That's what leads to his first half numbers. I think he was less than 50%. That's yep. that's what I think leads to some of the inaccuracies, too. I don't want to make excuses for him. He was bad last week, and he was bad in the first half tonight. He was bad and, in the first half. And, and I don't want to make excuses for that. Is some of it on the O-line? Yes. Is some of it on the OC? Yes. But yes. when when there's no confidence in anything that's going on on the offensive side of the ball, there's no identity. It's just dudes going out there saying, well, I guess I'll try something. And when the first the, the first read doesn't appear, all of a sudden things start devolving, things start falling apart. And that's been that's that, that's the mental side of this offense that's been created by the coaching staff, unfortunately. 
and it, it it manifests itself when you can't do simple things like converting third downs that are manageable. We're not talking about being behind the six and third down and having like repeated third and 11 or third and 12 because you can't win a first and second down. They're in third and manageable spots and still can't convert. You can't convert a third and one because you won't get your best guys up front to push someone and get a yard to close a game out. That That's when it manifests itself, and that's when it looks a lot worse. And it really – it really drags down everything else that you see. It drags down some of the throws that you made. You saw Kenny Pickett make in the second half of this game. And I, I think one of the best throws he made came in the second quarter. Kind of like last week, the best throw he made came in the second quarter. But it, it drags down the positive plays that you see this team make. And Mike Tomlin talked about this last year. He talked about it, eliminating the negative plays. Just eliminate the negative plays so that way it opens up opportunities for more positive plays. And they're doing the same things this year that they did last year. Too many negative plays or just non-productive plays, I guess, is the way to go. Because it's not necessarily yeah. negative yardage in a numerical standpoint. But it is, it's just non-productive. And there has to be something that you have to adapt. And the word identity keeps showing up, too. And mm-hmm. we talked about this a lot during the course of, you know, this going into the San Francisco game. you got to decide if you're going to be able to, you know, Get both your tight ends in there or get another lineman in there and strap up and try to be physical. If you're going to try to find another way to do it by maybe saying, hey, let's put this guy over here and maybe use this guy over here and just use some kind of opportunity to get guys moving. And it has not been there consistently. And the problems are starting to show and the cracks are getting wider and wider in the foundation. I will say this because they did win. And I want to try and stay on the positive side of the ledger. Um, Pickett did look a little better in the second half. Um, and I'll say this, really Jalen, yeah, exactly. Uh, Jalen Warren, eight touches for 86 yards. That dude does the most possible every opportunity he gets to touch the football. Um, and I think the more he does it, the more he earns more playing time. It's not as much a knock on Najee, who, again, continues no. to get absolutely destroyed behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, just absolutely pummeled behind the line. It's more on, you know what? If Warren is able to take the ball in space and go and not be a victim of whatever the OC or whatever the scheme is doing to him and his ability to play the game mentally, then just give him the ball. Give him the ball in space. Let him run with it. He might be the only guy who seems to be perpetually used properly, if that mm-hmm. makes sense at all. Because yeah, we, we talked about this. It, for some reason, it, for some reason in the first half, they were trying to do outside runs or like sweeps and outside yeah. zones with Najee. And I'm like, you're, you're using the wrong guy for that. The guy you should be using for that is Jalen Warren because all he needs is a crack. He can plant his foot and find his find some space and go. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you run the outside plays with. When you get into the short yardage, you got to run up the middle. Then you give the ball to Najee. Then you run in that split zone duo, which sometimes they can't even execute that, right, if we're being honest. But <laughs> run that inside run and give Najee the ball there to try to get those tough yards. You got one guy that can get you a, a a chance to break big plays here and there, and you got a guy that can get you tough yards. Just match the the tab A with slot A and tab B with yes. slot B. Some of this is I'll come back to it again. Some of this is really really simple. It's really simple, and I feel like Jalen Warren. There was a couple of different plays, like third down and long. They're trying to throw the ball to Jalen Warren, and he's almost getting first downs. And one time he did convert one pretty much all yeah. on his own. I feel like that's the only time there's a guy in this offense that's actually being utilized to his capability, and he's showing what he is as a third down back. Is he has trustworthy in pass protection? 
Maybe yeah. not. But the ability yeah. to get the ball to him and have him make plays in open field, that is, that's undeniable. And it's there, and it's working when they actually get the chance to do it. He, you're right. He did whiff on one inside pass protect. He was oh, supposed to pick up when the when the, the when this when the coverage got shifted to the right, and he yeah. he did. He totally totally whiffed on it. I will say one other positive I thought on the offensive side of the ball. Um, look, you've been leading the Darnell Washington bandwagon since the day they drafted him, and I got no problem riding shotgun. Um, yes. So that guy continues to do exactly what someone who is his size is supposed to do. I'm waiting for him to get more targets in the pass game, particularly in the red zone. Hopefully that comes at some point. But that man on, it was a Jalen Warren third down run in the fourth quarter where, oh, it was the counter. That's what it was. It was like, it it was a counter counter Warren where everything funneled inside and Warren came back out and had nothing but grass, Had, had an acre and a half he could have run all the way to AGH to check on his buddy Nick Chubb if he wanted to. And it was because Darnell Washington was lined up as the tight end on the left side, crashed down on Miles Garrett, and just absolutely shoved him about 10 feet inside, funneled him inside of the play. A lot of it was Garrett himself reading the play inside and going in and Washington just taking him there. But man, this guy handled Bosa last week. He handled Garrett in that moment this week. He is, as you reminded us a couple minutes ago, likes to think of himself as a sixth offensive lineman and can still run routes and catch footballs like a wide receiver. He needs to see the field more because every single time I see him out there, I like more of what I see. Oh. They were listed both the tight ends. You talk, you talk about twelve personnel going back before the San Francisco game. You want to see twelve personnel, uh-huh. and we saw both tight ends listed as starters in this game. They went with the tight. They went with the twelve personnel starters. I saw that. I'm like, all right, here we go. It's time. Mm-hmm. We saw a we saw, saw a sliver of it in the first half. It wasn't there, but then they got him inserted in the second half. And you're right, we saw him just absolutely bury Nick Bosa. Planted him like he should be over in Phipps over in Shadyside somewhere. <laughs> and we saw him take Miles Garrett out of a play. You Those two pieces of tape, it's not often where you need two pieces of tape on the guy to be convinced of what he could do. But you got two pieces of tape that show you, hey, put that guy on whoever that the, the edge rusher is and have him take him out of the play. Or the guy that you think could be the biggest disruptor in the run game, have him go up against that guy and take that guy out of the way. It helped your ranking. Yeah. You need no more evidence. He has now gone up against two of the best. If you're talking top five edge rushers, both of those guys are in that group, and neither of them are five. Both of them are top five, and neither are five. Yeah. And he's now dealt with both of them. That's all the evidence you need. Put that man in the game and let him bury people. And if you really want to have some fun with it, put the guy that he was lined up next to a lot in college, put them together on the same time. Let them Marry people. I don't care as long as bodies in the other color jersey are on the ground, out of the way for your running backs to move. I consider it a win. I don't care how it is. Absolutely. I don't care who it is. Just do it. Keep it simple. That's me. And that from he, now on, Just he, simple. That's 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 the title of this episode. There we go. We figured. It, keep it simple because on the defensive side of the ball, to flip it to that side for just a moment, it has been kept relatively simple. I think it has. It, it it's been. Ask TJ Watt to take over football games. <laughs> and if Alex Highsmith helps, 
even better. Um, that's what it was. And early in the game, you got Larry Ogunjobi stepping up in a big way with Cam Hayward out. Yeah, big play for Larry O. You got Cole Holcomb with a couple huge plays in the fourth quarter, including a fumble, uh, uh, a forced fumble. Um, he was big. You got you got a Landon Roberts with a huge hit in the hole early before he had to leave the game. Another guy who's we're gonna have to keep an eye on on the injury report this week before the Vegas game, I imagine. You had a lot of things right on the defensive side of the ball. The one thing that is still driving me nuts, and they finally, I don't know if it was just happenstance. I don't know if it was a, an accident. I don't know if his dad came down on the field and had to yell at somebody. Finally, we got Joey Porter Jr. in the game late uh, against Cleveland, and he ends up making a play. Should it have been flagged? Maybe. I'm not going to say here nor there, but he makes ends up he ends up in coverage on the final play of the the final play of import in the in this game. Uh, Levi Wallace can't continue to be out there on an island with other teams' top receivers. Josh, you and I and Greg, we texted mm. about it constantly this week, and especially tonight. He's getting absolutely oh. roasted, and I thought Joey Porter Jr. should have been in the game before the end of the first half. They waited about 30 minutes too long to make that move happen. You and I talked about this during the course of this game. We talked about this last week, that big Christian McCaffrey touchdown run, because Levi Wallace couldn't fill a gap. The one thing that you're expected to do, contain on the outside, fill a gap, and bring a guy down to the ground, and he couldn't do that. Then it happened again with a big run play for Cleveland for a touchdown because he couldn't he couldn't stay on the outside and contain because apparently he lost sight of where the ball is, broke contain, running back cuts back around, Ford cuts around, it goes right where, runs right through the spot where Levi Wallace should have been. There's too many of these things that are happening at the same time, and it should not be happening that way. You're a ninth-year player. You are making first- and second-year player mistakes. That should not be allowed. And that's not even in, that's not even including how he got beat in the passing game from time to time. I'm just talking about the yeah. run game because he got whooped in the passing game too, but – there, there is a lot of, of really, really bad marks. There's some, some if uh, he was in my 12th grade English class with my English teacher, uh, Mrs. Partial, she'd have a whole bunch of red marks on his paper. Because right yeah. now, a whole lot of red marks on Levi Wallace, and, and most of it doesn't look good. Yeah, and you know what? We're, we're, we're not just talking about veteran guys. Like We're talking about veteran guys who were brought in to sort of be keystones, for lack of a better way to put it. To be, to be the, veteran the guys. Foundation. To be the foundation, right? And what do I see? What do my wandering eyes does appear in the third quarter? I think it was late in the third or early in the fourth at one point. Patrick Peterson is standing kind of on the sideline, kind of not, kind of right on that edge. And Quan Alexander is trying to yell at him. Pat, that's Amari Cooper. You have he's a he's a wide receiver. You got to come on the field and cover him. I ain't supposed to be out here. And Pat's like he actually stood there until Pat P came out. I I I think you got, him. Credit. you got him. You got him. And I give everybody said the credit. <laughs> he he so, was willing to stand there and get smoked if Pat P didn't yes. get out there. And he finally figured out. Oh wait a minute, you're a linebacker. I'm a corner. That should be out. That, so that, yeah, mis- that was bad. That that miscommunication is it's something I I I I was worried about 
way back in the preseason, right? Because that's the kind of stuff that you can only get over with actual, in my opinion, game reps, like regular season game reps. Like you can play Tampa and Atlanta in the preseason all you want. You can go through, uh, you know, know, live at at practice, all of it. You you can run it, but it's not going to be the same as when you're out there on a Monday night or a Sunday afternoon with an actual opponent lined up across from you who's trying to actually beat you. And those things still seem to be happening in small measure. And in this secondary, it, they're not going to get by with those things happening. Like, it's it's going to kill them at some point. Even if they take Wallace out uh, of a starting corner role and plug into Joey Porter Jr., for example, there's still an... I, I worry that we're going to see that moment play out again in a bigger moment, in a bigger game. And instead of Pat Pete running onto the field at the last second, Quan Alexander or some other linebacker is going to get stuck running with a wide receiver down the sideline and getting beat by 15 yards. And it's, it's going to cost them a game. There, there's another piece of this discussion. You brought up the secondary. Because as far as I'm concerned now, the defense, it seems like the guys up front have figured out what they need to do. And it seems like the linebackers have figured it out. I'm not worried about them anymore. I think the linebackers were fine in this game. I thought they played well enough to help this team earn the victory. The secondary I am concerned about, but there was somebody who didn't play in this game that concerned me. You and I talked about this during the week and who we thought could be helpful. I thought Desmond King would be a guy that could help with this. And for the second week in a row, the first week I was willing to excuse because he got signed like the week of. And Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. He didn't get a half the first week. But he didn't get a half the second week either. I'm starting to wonder just what exactly is impeding Desmond King from being ready to do whatever it takes with this defense. Is it, is it that intricate? Does he have to learn that much? Are we talking about maybe some other off field issues that we don't know about, but the fact that we didn't see him and we know how much he can help the secondary, or at least in theory, that's concerning for me. And now we're talking about, you know, make a Fitzpatrick having to be evaluated for a chest injury because he might've been spitting up blood and normally if you're spitting on blood, it's probably something lung related. So that's not good. It, it's just, we don't need to see those problems happening with this secondary right now, especially if you might lose the best guy you have on that back. End. It's bad. right now. Yeah. And, and I can kind of excuse it away. If you tell me you're dressing fewer corner slash slot guys, uh, because you're going up against a run-heavy, run-forward offense like right. Cleveland's or San Francisco's even last week. Uh, and, and perhaps even, you know, Vegas's next weekend, to be quite honest. Um, yep. Josh Jacobs. When, yep. When you start to get into other opponents, it will be interesting to see how Desmond King gets used, if at all, um, because that was that was curious to me. And I do think, you know, as good as Joby looked in the pass rush early, as good as this defense really... I mean, look, they've got T.J. Watt, and Alex Highsmith, at least so far, has been worth every penny of that extension. Um, Their pass rush, I don't worry about. I do still worry about them in the run at times. I know Nick Chubb is exceptional, but Nick Chubb Mm. was on pace before Minka Fitzpatrick collapsed on his knee. Nick Chubb was on pace to have a day. I mean, he was rolling early on, and it didn't look like they had any answers for slowing him down. And if Chubb had remained healthy and had – kept clipping off six yards of carry, then they don't win this game. So that is something, the way Christian McCaffrey ran last week, the way Nick Chubb ran in the first half this week, that is definitely something to keep an eye on going into next week and Josh Jacobs. 
You know what's concerning? The guy who rattled off the big run for a touchdown in this game, it wasn't Christian McCaffrey and it wasn't Nick Chubb. It was Jerome right. Ford. Right. We were looking at each other going, who? <laughs> who was it? Yeah. Rattled off a 60-yard run in this game? That's something I think that we, should concern me. I, he had himself a night. We both immediately went to our phones and were like, oh, I got to pick him up in fantasy. <laughs> shout, shout out to my uncle who literally picked him up. In our fantasy league, when I was sitting down in my chair to start this live stream, my uh, uncle, I got the I got the notification, so and so picked up Jerome Ford. I'm like, I went to text him, like, oh, I can see you. Nobody can see that, right? Too quick. We just too saw quick. you pick up Jerome Ford like an hour after the game. At the same time, I ain't mad. That's, that's smart tactics. I'm not that's mad. A, but it's a crafty, you know, crafty great, veteran unk kind of move. Greg Finley talked about it too, because I want to say Greg lost one of his running backs. He's like, I could pick up Jerome Ford in fantasy. I'm like, I would if I was in his yeah. position, definitely. Fantasy owners, we jumped on it after the season. We salute you. Excellent move. Good job. Yeah. Uh, so that's where they're at. 26-22. Steelers beat the Browns. Um, we're going to have plenty more that materializes because Mike Tomlin's going to have a press conference in less than 12 hours from now. Um, I'm sure we'll find out more about the injuries. And I'm sure we'll figure out more that we need to talk about going forward. Because again, to your point, Josh, it was Bubba Sparks ugly. And I suspect it will have to be again if they're going to have any chance of winning in Vegas. Let's be honest. It's going to have to be. Unless Kenny Pickett finds something in the next six days. And again, this isn't all about Pickett. Even as bad as he looked in the first half and as bad as he looked last week. And it's not all about the offensive line. And it's not even all about Matt Canada all the time. Although, ugh, hey. tonight was not pretty. Uh, it's it's about all these things mm. together. And I, do, I am starting to really believe in that theory that I presented earlier of the lack of confidence that starts at the top that Mike Tomlin probably doesn't really have in Matt Canada is now trickling down through Matt Canada and dripping on everybody else. And everybody else is like, man, Coach T doesn't know what he wants to do with us. Canada's, I don't know, high school offensive coordinator. I, I, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be run? Am I supposed to be steamrolling people in the run game? Or am I supposed to be running traps and outside split zone duos? Am I supposed to be, if I'm Najee Harris, am I supposed to take the ball, hit the hole hard and go? Or am I supposed to sit there and wait for it to develop? There's so many guys, to your point, really the only two that are cast appropriately right now in this offense are Jalen Warren and George Pickens. And on a night where Kenny Pickett had a hard time getting the ball to George Pickens until they hit the big one, it was you had no identity on offense. And even so, even in scoring 26 points, 14 of them came to you by virtue of your defense. So you still don't really have an identity on the offensive side of the ball Unless you turn back around, look at what you had planned for the entire offseason and say, okay, we're finally going to lean into it. We're going to lean into it. We're going to go big, heavy sets. We're going to run. It may be ugly. It may be boring as all hell. But you know what? If that's the way we got to win a whole bunch of 19 to 16 and 19, 17 kind of ball games, then so be it. That's how we win because that's what we planned for in the offseason. You know who you sounded like during that entire discussion about the lack of confidence? You know who you sounded like? You mm. sounded like Ron Washington in um, Moneyball, oh, where, yeah. where Billy Bean and Ron Washington are meeting with Scott <laughs> Haddenberg and they're talking about how they signed him to play first base. He's like, uh -huh. he's like, what? And they were talking, actually, I'm going to say they were in spring training. They're talking 
about Scott Hatterberg and Ron Washington's like, what's the nice way to say this? He lacks confidence. <laughs> that's what you sound like talking about Matt Canada. What's the nice way to talk about the Eagles offense? They lack confidence. That's what it sounded like. I'll answer your question too. The thing that Kenny Pickett needs to do next week to beat Vegas, he needs to look the same way he looked in the second half against Vegas last season. Oh, that's yeah. what he needs to do. He needs to be decisive. He needs to be clean. He needs to be accurate. He needs to control what's happening around him as far as knowing what to do, knowing where to be, knowing which way to move in the pocket, knowing how to keep himself on both feet and still in the play and then making the right throw when the time comes. He needs to be that guy again against Vegas next week if they're going to beat Vegas. Otherwise, you're right, it's going to be ugly all over again. And, and you know what the big difference, I think, is? And I don't want to overplay this, but I think it's something to, to just consider in the back of our minds. Is last year in the second half of the season, there wasn't a ton of pressure on Kenny Pickett. There wasn't. People were just excited to watch him play. No. And people were excited to watch him develop. And so he could go out there and kind of just let her rip sometimes. Well, there you know? was one person that put a lot of pressure on Kenny Pickett. There was one person. <laughs> oh, but there was one like, guy when it, who put a lot of pressure on Kenny Pickett. One guy. I, so it comes to this year, right? And the pressure is turned up. It's spinal tap now. It's turned up to 11. Yeah. And we ripped the knob okay. off. The pressure on yep. Kenny Pickett, especially after the preseason performance, is, I, I said this last week, it's out of control. It's too much. People expect yeah. him to be too much. I'm not saying that the first half to tonight or the San Francisco game were good enough. They weren't. They were terrible. But again, I think a lot of it is born of not having – an OC or maybe not even a head coach. I don't know. A coaching staff that believes in you to be able to go out and replicate what you just did. Maybe they do, but they're not coaching. Like they are confident in him to go out and do what he just did last year in the second half of the season. And then when you start to fail to get the results early on, even if it's just the first six quarters of the season, that confidence, you start to lose it yourself as well. You can see it in the way he was throwing the football tonight in the first half. You could just see it. Missing George Pickens on a back shoulder, or should have been on the front shoulder, hits him on the back shoulder. Spikes one into the ground to Pickens on another slant. You know, just off, just off enough that he's walking back to the huddle saying to himself, man, what's wrong? Man, what am I, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed, this is supposed to be my year where I make the big leap. What, what is going on? Why, why can't I do this? I totally understand if that's what's going on in his head, and I wouldn't fault him for it for a second because everyone in this fan base has built it up that he's going to be Dan Marino in his second year. It, 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 it's not happening. It's not, and it's okay. I've said this over and over again. It's okay. Kenny Pickett doesn't have to be that dude. If he is occasionally in a two-minute drill here or uh, an end-of-second-quarter uh, scenario here, or by all means, it's great to get it in little tastes, right? But we can't mm -hmm. ask Kenny Pickett to bite off the whole damn pizza and eat it all in one bite. Like, it's just, at least now, and maybe for the foreseeable future and for his entire career, will be too much to ask him to do all of it himself. Let him do do that in little little moments here and there. And that clutch thing, that's great. I love it that it's in there somewhere and that we see it from time to time. But don't ask him to be too much. Don't ask him to be more than he is because I think there is a confidence issue to go along with the identity issue on this offense right now. 
One of the things I like to say all the time is that irony is undefeated. And the, the one great source of irony that causes me a lot of frustration is when you hear people tell you, Kenny Pickett needs to do this. He needs to throw for this many yards. He needs to throw for this many touchdowns. He needs to go down the field and hit this guy so many times in a game. And he, he needs to he needs to do with what, what Ben Roethlisberger did. We keep trying to – I keep trying to tell people, we don't need him to be the previous guy. No. And, and I say all that, and here's where the irony kicks in. Because you know what they did with the previous guy? They brought him along slowly. They didn't just throw him in the deep end and let him sink or swim. They brought him along slowly. Now, granted, you can make the argument, you know, Hall of Fame offensive lineman paving the road for a Hall of Fame running back, and that would be a very fair point. But at the same time, this front office made it a point to upgrade the offensive line to try to pave the road for a running back that you used a first-round pick on and another running back that you hit the lottery with an undrafted free agent. And you got – which, ironically, an undrafted free agent was a guy who the last guy handed the ball off to. Go figure. But you have the opportunity now to do that same thing, to bring this young quarterback along slowly. And just like the previous guy, when there were opportunities where he had to make a play to either keep him in the game or win the game, he would make them. He built his reputation and his career off of it. You don't have to get, like you said, you don't have to give him the whole pie right away because you didn't do it before with the last guy that's good his way to the, on his way to the Hall of Fame. He worked his way into the role. Player development is still a thing. You don't have to have a guy be a finished product right away. There's so much impatience yeah. when it comes to quarterbacks. And this, this fan base, this team, this organization, they're not the only ones. You have teams that bring in quarterbacks every year, and they're trying to give them too much, and a lot of them sink before they can even swim. One of them went, what, a couple games and broke his leg and never played for his team ever again before he got shipped off to another one. Because there's so much expectation, and it's not rooted in reality. We have a chance here to watch a quarterback Follow in the footsteps of a previous guy. And if you do it right, you can follow him along the same path. Bring him along slowly. Have the guys around him. Help him make his job easier. And then work him into the part where, okay, fine. Now you can have more confidence in him to make him more of a focal point. But he doesn't have to be the guy right away. And we're not seeing him fall on his face every other time. He can actually take those baby steps and actually work his way to where, okay, you're going from crawling to baby steps and baby steps to running. He doesn't need yeah. to run right out of the shoot. And I think that's the one thing we get so caught up in. I, mean, I said this before. We're so big on fantasy football and, and sports betting and making these uh, prop bets and things like that. I need so many yards to make sure I hit this parlay. Okay, fine. But that doesn't mean it's going to help you win games. Sometimes you just got to do the thing that helps you get the job done. Just make the decision that helps you move the sticks and get the first down. Just make the decision that helps you from throwing an interception throw the ball away or get out of the pocket and run out of bounds. It keeps from getting sacked or God forget it. 26-22 the final. Steelers beat the Browns. We're not quite sure how other than TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith taking over, but they did it. They win, and we will talk about all the fallout from it. It sounds like there's going to be a ton of injuries to talk about throughout the week. Um, sounds like, at least according to Brooke Pryor's reporting post game that the players did not hear or are not going to acknowledge that they heard the fire Canada chance. Um, we'll see how that plays out throughout the week. He's not getting fired. Um, so at least not now. Whew. So let's see Jeez. if they can find something in the next six days 
that gives us reason to hope that this offense doesn't have to ask for two touchdowns from the defense every single week to go out and win Bubba Sparks' ugly games. We will be here all week to keep you abreast of all the latest information, give you our takes and our opinions on all of it, and build up to a Sunday night in Vegas against the Raiders. Thanks for joining us live on YouTube and live on Twitter. And if you got this after the fact, by all means, thanks for downloading it as well. Um, Because you can get it anytime. All you got to do, subscribe inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, download, rate, review. Let us know what you think of the show. And we will be back here day after day after day to keep bringing you more of Fourth Down in the Steel City.